Promo Kitchen is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, please visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. One of the ways you can get involved is by donating to our cause. We rely on our community for financial support to help cover the cost of producing our educational content and our networking mixers. You can donate today right from your phone at promokitchen.org slash donate. Thank you so much, and let's get started with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. We are a community-inspired conversation featuring boundary pushers, rabble-rousers, freaks, and geeks who are shaking up the $20 billion promotional products industry. My name is Mark Graham, co-founder of Common Skew, and joining me in the co-host chair today is Danny Rosen, president of BrandFuel. Today's guest caught our attention when we came across an Inc. magazine article titled, This $22 billion industry is dying. Meet the startup reviving it. The article was about a feisty and innovative player called Alice, an AI-powered corporate gifting platform. The article exposed some of the deepest insecurities we have about the promotional products industry, poor quality products, gifts that don't resonate with their recipients, and the difficulty in tracking ROI. Alice set out to address all of these problems with their beautifully designed and tech-forward platform. So in Promo Kitchen fashion, we reached out to the source and asked to dig in a little bit deeper. And today we are excited to welcome Greg Siegel, founder and CEO of Alice, to the podcast. Our goal is to understand the role that Alice plays in our industry and to see what the future holds according to Greg. Before we get started, here's some background on Greg and Alice. Founded in December 2015, Alice tells a corporate gifter exactly what to send and the most impactful times to send. According to the company, U.S. corporations spend $120 billion on corporate gifting and incentives each year, and 90% of it is untracked in CRMs, unmeasured for ROI, and or irrelevant to the recipient. By gifting smarter, Alice strategically builds stronger connections, decreases churn, retains employees, and closes prospects faster. It's a compelling value proposition and one that appeals to the modern-day marketer, looking for something a little different than what our industry traditionally offers. And with that, I want to welcome Greg to the program. So, Greg, I want you to give the Promo Kitchen community a little bit of information about your background and what led you into the promotional products industry in the first place. I ran a large e-commerce agency for about a decade or so. I ended up selling that company back in December of 2012. And, you know, for that entire decade plus that I was running the organization, I was dealing very ton with promotional gifts. We'd send out tons of swag. We'd, you know, go to no less than, you know, five to ten trade shows a year. We were always sending out client gifts. Everything was always logoed. And, you know, after I sold the company, I was looking for what my next thing was going to be and starting to think back on a lot of the money that I spent and a lot of the research that I was doing at the time, asking people where they felt like they were wasting a lot of their money. The majority of it came back to this whole notion of what umbrelling as corporate gifting. So that's what led to the whole idea for Alice. So give me the elevator pitch for Alice. If someone ran into you at, say, like the Inc. Grow Conference, what would you tell them it does? 
there's two things. One, which is, you know, just common sense tells you that if you are to send a gift to somebody, the more relevant it is and the more that you're able to utilize that gift, the better that gift ends up allowing somebody to take a specific action you want them to take. Right. So in our specific case, there's two things, right? One, which is the more utilization of the gift, meaning if it's something I'm going to use, the less burdensome it is for me to say, oh, now what am I going to do with this gift? And that's the first piece, which is the what to send somebody. The second piece is, you know, when to send it. So most people end up sending their gifts at the most expected times of the year or at times that they don't really need them. So if you actually send those gifts at the right time, so that's why I say things like decreasing churn. So if you send a gift, you know, two months before a contract is up and it's a really highly relevant gift, we have customers right now decreasing their churn between 5 and 10% just by sending these gifts. And these could be $50 gifts, you know, to save $50,000 contracts. It's pretty powerful. Right. And let's look deeper into the gifts that you're sending. Are these logoed promotional products that you may see in typical conference and trade show environments, or are they more premiums and incentives that are unbranded that are being sent from more premium and and incentive suppliers? Yeah, so nothing is logoed. We strongly believe that as part of that utilization of the gift, somebody will use something if it's not logoed. You know, and there are times, and we can get into this a little bit later on, where promotional products and having something branded is impactful. And to me, that has to do with the funnel and how deep you are in the relationship with the actual contact or employee or whatnot that you have. Everything that's on Alice starts off at $30 and goes upwards of $5,000. Everything is, you know, unlogoed. Everything is completely perfectly matched to the interests of the person that you're actually trying to send a gift to on an individual basis. We do believe that it's fine to actually brand or logo the actual delivery mechanism of that gift, but you still allow them to be able to choose or exchange or donate you know, the gift through the Alice's platform. So you're not actually sending the gift to them. You're sending them the, you know, the digital codes to the gift. They go to this really nice you know, branded page, and they're able to actually you know, get that gift. But the gift itself does not have the logo on it. Got it. Okay. I have one for you, Greg. I am just flabbergasted and interested and, and very intrigued by the model, sort of the, the Oompa Loompas behind the, the, the secret sauce. I went through the process to find out what three gifts would be suggested for me, and I was delighted. I really was. It was sort of a fun process. It wasn't like I pushed send and three product ideas came out. It, it Someone seemed like you, you said, give me an hour. The system said, give me an hour, we'll get back to you within that with some suggestions. And about 25 minutes later, I had my three suggestions right there. It was almost as if someone was curating this content for me by, what were they, I guess the questions I'm asking, are they looking at my social media profiles, what my interests are, are they finding me online, what's happening there, can you share that? Yeah, sure. So the system is AI-powered, but if you think of any AI-powered company that's out there, it doesn't matter who it is or what it is, there's always human intervention interaction that's happening to what they call train the data. So, you know, the system itself is inherently getting smarter. Every time it does a new gift, it searches through any publicly available data on that person. So it'll find Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, you know, Twitter, company blog posts, you know, company website, you know, with team pages, you know, your own personal website. It'll find all that information about a person just based on their first name, last name, and email address, and typically their company if it's a personal email. What we do have is before the gift suggestions are actually pushed out the door, we always have a human that actually looks to make sure that they're spot on. And, you know, some good examples on treating the data are, you know, you never want to send a bottle of wine, you know, or like a Club W, for example, to, to a Mormon or to a recovering alcoholic. And there are ways that we can find out a lot of that information using publicly, you know, available social data. Or if we never see somebody, you know, drinking alcohol, then we will never suggest alcohol 
person just because you never want to hit it wrong. So that's typically how that works on the back end. That's really fascinating stuff. So can I share with you my three gifts that you guys suggested for me? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear what it was. Yeah. So it was a 12-pack of Duff beer from The Simpsons, a Donald Trump chia plant, and a case of bacon-scented soap. Whoa. I'm kidding, man. I'm kidding. I'm messing around. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. That's not on a catalog. <laughs> You're starting to freak me out there. I was like, wow, never never knew yeah. I was there. <laughs> the quiet, silent pause was deadly for both of you. Thanks for interjecting. Yes. And saving yeah. Mark. No, I actually got DJ in a box. I'm a big music guy. I was like, I looked at this item on the Common Goods. I thought it was pretty cool. A custom family portrait, which, you know, not something I'm totally into, but I got family. My wife loves that stuff. So I was all about that. And then the last one was this thing called the Rocket Book which blew me away because Rocketbook is retailing for $85 now, and I am an investor in Rocketbook. And so I, they uh. must know somehow that, that that was connected in a way. But I was impressed. I mean, I, I would give it a, an A- minus or a B-plus first go-round, so kudos. Excellent. I mean, think about this. So, you know, corporate gifting in general, the bar is set so low that most people just end up defaulting. If you have to send 10 gifts or 100 gifts or even one gift, you end up defaulting to the typical things that are already out there. You think of like the Harry and Davids or you think of the, you know, the Godivas or the edible arrangements or the, you know, even swag or things like that. And, you know, what we're saying is look for virtually less effort. And obviously you don't even have to deal with the supply chain side of things with the fulfillment side of things. All you need to do is just put in your recipient's information and boom, out there pop these gifts. And then again, the part of the model that we're really trying to flip on its head is that utilization part, which is when the recipient actually gets the gift, they can either accept it and they put in the address where they want it shipped to, so it saves you a huge step on that front. They can exchange it for anything else on the platform within the same exact budget range and prices are never shown, and that's usually anywhere between 1,000 to 1,500 other options on the system. Or they can donate to charity and they, they can choose from the 300 501c3s that we have relationships with on the platform, and those are all the top-rated charities on Charity Navigator. Right. Do you have a percentage breakdown of, of how that stuff is working out, especially I'm really interested in the social innovation aspect. It seems like it's baked into your brand out of the gate, which I think is fascinating. I saw the give one, gift one, but what's the breakdown of what people are doing, keeping, giving, donating? Do you have that yet? Yeah, it's about 40, 50, 10. So about 40% of the people keep the original gift, 50% exchange it, and about 10% of them are donating right now. And that varies on a day-to-day basis, like if 100 gifts go out or 1,000 gifts go out, you know, that might change randomly. But that that's probably a good breakdown. But here's the interesting thing. You know, there's a big psychology around gifting that happens that, that people don't really think about. Because when you, as a gifter, are giving to a customer or an employee or a prospect, you're really thinking about what you would want to give to them that represents you typically as a brand or you as a person. So a lot of times the things that you would still pick, or if we give you three options, I could probably tell you of the three options, which of the three the person, the recipient would end up picking because it probably hits them the most, you know, using the algorithm and says, oh, this person's going to love this, you know, DJ in a box, for example, right? That's probably the one you'd like the best at. And that's the reason. So then what happens is that 50% of the people end up exchanging. And we also have the ability when the person exchanges to actually do that anonymously as well. So the whole psychology is like, look, if you can play to both the gifter and make them look like a rock star by even those three things that they were sent to you, you'd still be like, wow, that was 100 times better than, you know, a gift basket that was sent. Right. Right. And now on top of that, that you get a chance to exchange for something else that you and your wife can do or there's an experience on the system. We have 6,000 experiences. We have, you know, a couple hundred different subscription box companies, you know, on-demand services, physical products. All those things give you the ability to now have that utilization, and now you're like, wow, that's awesome. I just got a pair of Warby Parker sunglasses. You know, I'm wearing them all summer, and my accountant sent me this. 
it makes the gifter look like a rock star and you're super happy as a recipient for not having to waste it. Right. And from a revenue model or a business model perspective, Greg, presumably, so you've got the marketer that will come in, they say they've got 100 people that they want to send gifts to, and they budget, let's say, $100. So the marketer is paying for that. And is there a a component of rev share from the supplier perspective as well? Like, how does your model work to the extent you can share it? Yeah, what you said is spot on. So the merchant themselves or the brands themselves pay us on a per transaction basis. Okay. So it costs nothing to the brand to be on our platform. They get all the brand exposure that we'll give them, and they only pay us when a transaction actually goes to the system. And we've done individual negotiations with each of the, I think about 425 or 426 merchants right now that are on the platform. And right. you, as the gifter or marketer, just pay for the gift's value itself. And that price you see when you get your three options is all-inclusive of sales, of all the tax, all the right. uh, any fees that the merchant might be charging, and, and the shipping itself. Right. Have you heard of a platform called Send Out Cards before? Yep. Danny, have you heard of them or used them before? I have. I've never used them. I know who they are. Yeah. I know that Kirby Hossman, of course, a fellow chef of ours in Promo Kitchen, is a big fan of Send Out Cards. And I think he did a podcast and spoke all about, you know, how it made his customers feel and it was great for retention. And it feels like what you've created here, Greg, I, I hate to be, you know, drawing a parallel, but it feels to me like what you've created is similar to send out cards, but it's a lot more involved in terms of it's not just a card that you're getting, it's a gifting experience that really moves the needle on sales. Right. I think the key thing to note when you're dealing with the difference between cards and gifts, and we offer handwritten cards, by the way, so you can send out a thousand handwritten cards and they can all be branded. And we have a couple of other things we can talk about that are coming in the next few weeks. Yeah. But send out cards, you're sending a card to somebody, but you're not actually investing in the relationship. So gifting and we can talk about the $120 billion number too, but gifting in, in my mind, when, when we're you know coining this or umbrelling this term, basically means that anytime you as a vendor are investing into your customer or you as a company are investing into your employee or you as a vendor are investing into your prospect, that is something where you're saying, look, I'm actually sending you something. I'm spending money on you. Yeah. And how you spend that money is so critically important to that relationship and how you're actually wanting them to take action. If you want that person to sign a contract, for example, are you going to send them something where they're going to end up feeling like it's a throwaway or do you want them to actually get something that they're going to use and every time they use it, they're actually thinking of you as a company, right? And it's the same thing with an employee. If I want to retain my employee, if I send it at a time, for example, like their work anniversary or they just got married or had a baby, that's 100 times better than you sending something during the holiday season when it's expected and now you're doing it outside of the time of appreciation or, or whatnot. Right. So I'm curious for you to talk about how your tech platform would work with a large marketer. You mentioned CRMs. And so let's say there's a marketer that's on Salesforce or HubSpot or PipeDrive or whatever CRM they're using. Does your system have an API that allows for a developer to integrate in with a marketer CRM that then sends out a series of triggers through Alice that then tells you to send out a gift at this particular stage? Are you at that level of sophistication just yet, or is that on the to-do list? Yes. Salesforce is our first big one right now, which we're doing a very deep integration into. You can do it from any lead, contact, or account page. You can basically say, hey, I want to send out a gift to this person. Click a button, and it sends it off to Alice, and then the whole experience is inside of Salesforce itself. We have a whole bunch of customers in beta on that right now, and it's going to probably go public in January is my guess. Right. They're still doing a lot of security audit on the app exchange app that we're doing. Right. Um, you can also do it where you just create a campaign inside of Salesforce where you can do you know 10,000 people at the same time tied to a campaign, and it goes through the same exact process, and that's all in there. 
Right. The other thing that we have, you know, if you're talking about you know, HubSpot or you're talking about any of the other CRM systems or marketing automation systems, we're doing the same thing with all of those as well. Because, you know, gifting should become part of your everyday marketing workflow, and you shouldn't have to have to go to Alice in order to make sure that, you know, you're doing this, so another system you have to use. Instead, our goal is to actually be tied directly into the workflow of every single system so that you don't have to leave. For example, we have a marketing company doing right now, you know, 500 to 1,000 survey fill-outs, and they're saying, hey, instead of us sending and offering a, an iPad, you know, to these folks, why don't we offer the gift of choice? And you know what? Alice already has iPads on there, but they also have 1,500 other options in that same price range that you can choose from. And that's expanded that offering, you know, tremendously and also the amount of survey responses they've had because of that power of choice. Right. I think what's neat about what you're saying is that by incorporating gifting into this everyday experience, I think, as you mentioned, it elevates gifting, whether it's premiums, incentives, or even promotional products if you decide to get into that. It elevates it above where it is right now in the typical marketing conversation. So a very general comment, but if you were to go to a Fortune 500 marketer and you were to say, where does promotional products fit or where does premiums or gifting fit into the overall marketing conversation, I think you'd have a lot of them that would say, well, and we do that, but it represents a fairly small part of our overall spend and it's not usually something that gets C-suite attention like, you know, maybe AdWords or Facebook or traditional television advertising, you know, much of the chagrin of the promotional products industry. But that, I think that you'd still see that that's the reality. And I think what you're suggesting, and it'll be interesting to see it being proven out over the next couple of years, is that it's elevating gifting to a higher status than it has ever really enjoyed on a, you know, a typical campaign basis today. I think it's a great point, and I think it's something we are doing a lot of research on, and we're collecting, you know, a boatload of data on as we speak. You know, a couple of good use cases on this, where we have a company right now sending thousand gifts at a time to prospects, and we have a feature built into Alice where the experience in the box that's delivered to the end consumer is fully branded to this company, but the gift inside of it is a majority of that spend. Now, what Alice allows you to do is we have a 90-day expiration on that gift. So right. when you're sending out a thousand gifts to these folks, 90 days later, that money is coming credited back to your account that you can use again on other prospects. So we've started to really think through how to, first of all, flip that on your head where you're also reducing waste, but at the same time being able to use your money really, really effectively. So if you're trying to go after these, you know, C-suite folks, you can send it off to them. You know, it's branded. It has the right messaging to them. We can do something really creative with the types of products that you're sending out to them. But in the end of the day, they still get a product that they're actually able to utilize. It comes yeah. under personalization. When personalized it is, that's the key. And so that's where the, we're trying to turn this into a very strategic endeavor that you're already spending the money, a lot of these people are doing it, and, you know, if you can allocate more and more towards it, you'll start to see that there's a lot of ROI that you can track back and a lot of data you can use to fuel all the other marketing campaigns and stuff that you're working with. So I have a question around personalization. I was thinking about our industry, and Mark, maybe this is a question for you to think about, and, and Greg, I bet you have some thoughts around it too. And then I want to get a little bit into the stats that you guys are talking through to get you guys to where you are. The question is about personalization. So, Mark, let me just ask you, do you feel like the promotional products industry, our industry, is starting to get more geared towards specialization and personalization, you know, whether that is on-demand, art upload, get one product, do you feel like there are more name drops and individual things that you could do with variable data printing and things like that? Do you see a trend in our industry there? Do you think that's a component of the future, and, and do you think that will help our industry grow? Or are we even there yet? 
I know some are doing it, but are we capable as an industry of managing that? I think we are capable of managing it. I know there's been a lot of talk about variable data and being able to personalize on an individual basis, but I don't think it has really entered the mainstream conversation yet. And I don't know if that's a function of promotional products companies not being very good at selling it or whether suppliers have not really reached a level of sophistication that allows for that. Or quite simply, it may just be so much more work than the traditional promotional campaign that a salesperson says to heck with it. But I think that in listening to what Greg's talking about, I think if you have the technology there and you have the distribution system, then I think that you would see the application of variable data printing become a lot more mainstream than it is right now. So I I just don't think that there's the application right now that many of us in the promo industry have really nailed just yet. I think there's a lot of talk about it. It's a little bit like, you know, augmented reality, like everyone's talking about it, but no one's really doing it effectively right now. So we haven't found the killer app, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it seems like there's a few doing it. I, oh. I, and I think about the on-demand space, and like Jason Lukash and Orage Audio, our clients are asking for more of that, the ability to upload a piece of artwork and print one and do it today and ship it. And you were going to say something, Greg, but I also want to ask you about that. And what is your average <laughs> gift again? What is that item? And, and do we feel like that's the number that people see value in a real gift? Because I think our industry has lost sight of that in some ways. Let's get something under a buck because we've got to give them a giveaway at a trade show. But I think to do something that's really a, a value, there probably needs to be some dollar signs connected to it. So, Greg, you were going to say something. Yeah, I think you brought like two or three points that I think you know we should hit upon there. So the first thing is, let me work backwards from your point. The first one, which is around promotional gifting and, and like at trade shows. So this goes back to what I was saying before around you know, the higher up the funnel you are, the more appropriate promotional gifting is. So when we're doing our research, one of the big things that came out of that was that, you know, people felt like promotional gifting was automatically a throwaway. They felt like, I don't need to worry about this. I'm just going to be able to throw this thing away. Now, obviously, there's different price points to that, right? If you're sending a fleece with a logo on it, that's a much different price point than you're getting out a pen or a squish ball or, or whatever else, you know, you might be given. So, you know, we can talk about the dollar signs on that. The second question you asked was around the price point. So for us, the thing that we're realizing around personalization, and that's the third thing we'll talk about here, is that the more personalized the gift is, the less you have to spend on it because it shows that you actually took time and effort to actually give them something that they actually are going to use and are actually something that they want. And that's the big piece here that people are missing. So you know, when we're coming at this, we're coming at this where we're saying, look, I've been involved in variable data printing. I'm, I'm a graphic designer by trade, you know, by default. I've been in marketing forever. You know, we used to try variable data printing, you know, as, as an e-commerce agency. E-commerce by itself, you know, in my you know past life was all about personalization. And honestly, marketing is all about one-to-one. It doesn't matter what marketing channel you're going after. You know, obviously social has, you know, kicked that up many, many notches. But the more personalized you can get something to an individual, the more they're willing to react and the more they're willing to react because it stands out from everything else that's being done right now. So, you know, variable data printing is only, you know, a small percentage better than what is being done right now. It's what can you do to take that next step to actually try and get the attention of people that you're trying to get to take an action, whether that's to return a phone call or whether that's to, you know, continue to build, you know, employee morale or, you know, close prospects faster or, you know, retain a contract. So I think from a personalization perspective, it's really important to think that 
you have to do that. If you're talking to somebody on the phone, you know, Verizon's not getting on the phone to you and asking, you know, and saying, oh, well, you know, hey, hey, customer, you know, let me help you with blah, 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 whatever it is. It's like, you know, they know your name, they know your account information, and even though their, their customer service is typically pretty bad, you know, at least they're trying to take that effort of marketing to you and, and knowing what you're doing. Hey, Greg, I've got a question for you. In listening to your answers and just reading a little bit more about your company, it seems to me that Alice is more complementary than competitive to the traditional promotional products industry. And I think the reason I say that is, and, and I'd love to see whether you agree or disagree with this, but on one hand, you're, at least at the present time, not selling anything with a brand or a logo on it, which is a key difference between our two spaces. Second of all, you're selling a premium and an incentive versus a traditional promotional product. And C, I feel like there's a complementary, like I feel that a marketer would get great value out of running an Alice campaign, but I don't think that they would then say to Danny, oh, Danny, sorry, we spent a hundred grand with Alice this year. We don't have an opportunity to spend with brand fuel on, you know, that custom product that we wanted to create for a product launch because the two are serving very different purposes. Agree or disagree? I'd be curious, Danny, what your view on that is, given I just use you as an example, and Greg, to see whether I'm out to lunch or not. I do feel like it is more complimentary. You know, we mentioned that the number $120 billion, we break that up into four different categories. Yeah. Promotional gifting is one of them. And we peg, you know, swag of promotional gifts at $20.5 billion a year. Some people peg it at 19 some people peg it at 22 I think we're all around the same number. Here are the four places. $10.6 billion in holiday gifts that are done. There's 5.7 million U.S. companies with an average number of 20 employees in the U.S. alone. So $10.6 billion in holiday gifts, $20.5 billion in swag and promotional gifts, $45.9 billion in employee incentives. So basically think of it as the average number is 1% of salary goes to employee incentives. And then the final thing is customer incentives, which I we peg at around $43 billion, which are things like you know tickets, meals, trips, loyalty programs, rewards, SPIF programs, you know, things that fit more into that customer incentives bucket. So for us, again, we're trying to create this umbrella where we're calling that corporate gifting and maybe we'll end up rebranding that into something else. But since that's sort of the ubiquitous term, we just want to say that's where that money we feel is coming in. Anytime, again, you invest with a vendor into a customer prospect or a company into an employee, we feel like that's money that can be reappropriated in better and more intelligent strategic ways by sending less stuff with more impact to the people that you want to take better action. You know, yeah. so I think to Danny's point and, and to brand fuel, there's a time and place for everything. You know, we're not coming in here trying to say swag sucks and promotional gifting sucks. We're just saying, look, if you're to take that money, what if you're to take a good chunk of that cash and go after your top 10% of leads and really try and, you know, spend more money to try and get a reaction? And, you know, with Alice having that money, basically money back guarantee that, you know, we're saying it's going to work, you know, and, and if it doesn't, then 90 days later, you get that money back to try somewhere else. At the top of the funnel, and to get attention from some people, and even at trade shows, if you're trying to give away stuff just to get brand impressions and brand awareness, swag is the way to go, and promotional gifting is the way to go. The deeper you are into the relationship is where I would argue that the more personalized and the more money you're willing to spend in an intelligent fashion, the better the response and reaction is going to get, and that we see that directly from all the data we're pulling. I mean, the amount of contracts that have been saved from using Alice the amount of employees, like the happiness and the thank you notes, we see that our companies are, our customers are passing back to us. You know, the number of prospects that have closed, that they've taken calls just because they've gone through the process. I mean, it's really powerful. And again, it's, it's using technology to facilitate what we believe as a, just a general mission of the company. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, I think to answer your question, Mark, 
And to hear Greg answer in his way is interesting. It was sort of a yes, but I think in a way, because I believe there is a, at least for marketers, there's a marketing budget pie and there's a certain amount of money in that pie. Unless you can convince a marketing department to spend more than that pie, then, then I think in some ways we are competing. You know, HR has probably got its own budgets for employees, and I think even there we may compete a bit. But I do think there are a lot of complementary things to what our sort of two industries, even though they're one and the same, have. I think we have to challenge you know, our clients to think beyond budget. If, if spending more money and investing more on something personal uh, creates a more of a connection and experience around that brand, I think we win. And I think in the promotional products industry, I think if you look at the average spend, you know, what we are doing for our clients, it's pretty low in comparison to the Alice model. And Greg, I love what you said about marketing being all about one-on-one. That's brilliant stuff. I, You know, the one-to-one is not something I think we do really well in our industry. So I think there's a lot to learn for sure. Let's shift gears a little bit and go to some of these stats, though. I pulled one stat out that was on your website that it was a little bit of a thorn in my side, but I wanted to ask you about that and any others you wanted to bring up. And then I wanted to volley back some stats that the industry on our side has that I'm curious what you think about it and also where you got some of this information. The one that was the thorn in my side was the one out of three people trash swag gifts with logos right away. I was like, ah, and like inside, deep down, I'm probably thinking, yeah, there's probably some truth to that. Where does that come from? So this was based on multiple surveys that we ran both at the end of last year and then the beginning of this year through, I think we ended up talking to 513 or 517 companies. I have to go back to the article itself. But that was it. You know, if you look at the results, we put those all the way at the bottom and still people filled that out and said they either trashed it, recycled it, donated, you know, right away. And I'll be honest, I actually thought that was low. I went into it thinking it was going to be much higher because I just remember the amount of stuff that I would get at my previous agency, I would throw out. And, you know, just to sort of hype what you're doing from Brand Fuel's perspective, you know, promotional products work when there's an affinity for the brand that you're actually receiving the promotional products from. So if you love HubSpot, for example, you know, a big company here in Boston, you'll notice that a lot of the people that work at HubSpot wear HubSpot T-shirts and bags and things like that. But if I don't work at HubSpot and I don't use the platform, I don't really want the swag. Like, I'm not going to do anything. Maybe it would be a gym T-shirt or something like that, you know, but it's not directly correlated or tied to, to the stuff that I'm doing or what I want to do with that. So. You know, so I think from that perspective, that's where it comes from. And that's why, you know, when we went into this, I thought that was going to be more like, you know, one out of two. But we ended up seeing that it was one out of three. And that's still a bad number because that means a 30-year budget is being immediately tossed right out the window and never actually sees the light of day. Can I volley a couple stats to you and just see what you think? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, this was 1,008 uh, people from different companies, all demographics, sort of like you guys had, but independent researchers through PPAI, one of the umbrella organizations in our industry. Nearly 9 in 10 recipients are able to remember the branding, and 8 in 10 can recall messaging from at least one promotional product they received. I think it goes a little bit against the grain of some of the other stuff that you were saying in your study, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. I'll challenge that because I've seen that survey, and we actually asked people about it, and Here's where I think the disconnect happens there. Yes, if you show somebody that swag or you give them that swag, they're going to remember it at that time. But are they going to remember it at the time that they want to take action? That's the difference. So I think you probably can get some good brand affinity, and I don't discount that at all, that you can remember those things. But I think it's a matter of when is that happening, what are you remembering it as, and how unique is that brand experience or that promotional product that you're actually receiving in order to actually drive the engagement and the action you actually want somebody to take. 
If it's a pen or a squish ball or something like that, maybe it ends up in my drawer or whatever. I think everybody has that drawer, you know, that, that's there. But I think it's more like, you know, I looked at your site before we got on this podcast, and I really liked how you were thinking outside of the box with promotional products. And I noticed that some of those things are more expensive things. And that's where you start to see, hey, this is something where people will take action or they will remember it because it's something that's more unique than just the generic stuff that's actually being pumped out, you know, by all these companies right now. Yeah, that's good. So there's one more that follows up with that. So this is a new study that's coming out soon. It's roughly 8 in 10 admit to looking up the brand after receiving a promotional product, and 83% say they're more likely to do business with brands they've received promotional products from than brands they have not received promotional products from. And I sense that maybe that timing thing you were talking about is there. I also agree with you about you know the value of the product and possibly when it's delivered. When you're in a sea of sameness at a trade show and you're just getting a bag full of swag and it's adult trick-or-treaters and it's just not high-quality stuff, I think it's going to get lost in the mix. But those stats seem you know pretty strong for our industry. And so I think going to that, but I also want to inspire our industry and those listeners to know that there is some validity to it. But I do think, and I think Mark would echo this, I do think that our industry needs to get stronger through learning about through your model and, and, and forcing themselves to dig a little bit deeper and go beyond the Me Too items, less landfilling, you know, considering design and messaging over slapping a logo on a giveaway and, again, investing in high quality and very personalized stuff. I think those are really, really good takeaways. And, and I, I just sort of want to end on that thought on my side and then offer you the last word because – I can tell you, Mark and I have appreciated this, and this is going to be something that I think will be shared with a lot of people in our industry, and they'll learn from it. Hey, Greg, before that final word, I want to just throw in an observation and a comment to what it is that you were saying in terms of the difference between a branded promotional item and what your platform is doing. And I, I think the way that I see it is that Alice is a lot more like a Facebook ad or an AdWords where someone is looking to take action and an ad is served up that is contextual. And I'm drawing a bit of a rough parallel here, but hopefully you can work with me here. And in the same way that the marketers that use your platform understand when their prospects or clients are looking to take action and then they get this, you know, beautifully curated product in the mail that hopefully furthers the sale. Whereas traditional promotional products, if let's say it's a pen or a squishy toy, as you were referencing before, almost seems like the equivalent of outdoor billboard advertising or a television ad or a print ad where you see it, but it's more about creating awareness and driving awareness and not necessarily forcing someone to take action in that one specific moment. And I think you can debate the merits of one versus the other, but I think that that's really how I see the difference between the two of them. I'm not sure whether you'd agree with that, but that, that was my observation. So I think I can try and simplify that. I think there's you know some line, and we haven't figured out where that line is drawn, between trying to drive brand awareness versus trying to get somebody to take action. And, and I'll actually argue that that's one and the same, where if you're saying, I'm trying to drive brand awareness, I want somebody to look up my brand, I want somebody to take action on this. But the problem is that if contextually the money that you're investing into you know, your prospect, customer, employee, et cetera, et cetera, is done haphazardly or is not done as personally and whatnot as possible and somebody else is one-upping you on that game, they're going to remember that person because they took that effort just one step further. It's just like if you're going to a sales meeting, right? The company that brings in three guys versus the company that brings in 10 and all of the people that are going to be working on their team and all this other stuff shows the incentive that they have and the drive that they have to actually win the deal. That's a different mindset and a different approach. And what we're saying is if we can figure out a way to take this money and reappropriate it and do it much more strategically and with less effort using technology, 
where you still look much more like a rock star because of this whole entire process, that's totally fine. And the last thing is just around the brand, I'm totally fine with having your logo appear on the delivery mechanism of the gifts themselves. It's just we have a very strong you know, mindset around when you're investing into a customer, you don't want that product itself to actually have the logo on it unless it's for somebody who has really strong brand affinity. You know, if I like Apple, great. I will take Apple stuff all day. I work at HubSpot, great. I would want to HubSpot stuff, you know, because I, they're paying my salary and, and I, I love the product and stuff. So that's where I think, you know, the differentiator is between what you're talking about and what we are. But again, there's a time and twist for everything. It's just our myth that we're trying to bust right now is that every product has to have a logo on it just for, yeah. for somebody to remember it. I would totally yeah. challenge that any day of the week. Yeah. All right. The last word is yours, my friend. Or maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you know, I, I just think it's you know, it's been a great, great conversation. And you know, the promotional products industry, in my mind, you know, having been a part of it and actually having built a lot of promotional gifting websites or e-commerce websites, you know, it, it's time for a shakeup, and it's time for you know the promotional products industry to really start thinking and embracing technology and personalization because. In every other aspect of our life, it's all about personalization. And the more personalized you are, the better the relationship and, and the faster you're able to foster a relationship with somebody else. And again, gifting itself is, you know, gifting has a bad connotation. So I hate using that word. But, you know, if, if you're sending an Alice to somebody, we're trying to trying to change the way that that comes across to somebody and that you're saying, look, I care. I'm investing in this relationship. I took the time and effort to give you the power of choice, but also show you that I took time to actually pick something for you and you're doing it at the right time. So again, it's the what you're sending and, you know, and the when you're actually sending it to the person. And if you can power those two things together, you get a huge boost in the actions you're actually trying to get, you're actually trying to accomplish on the other end. Greg, thank you so much for all of your time. This was a fascinating conversation and Danny and I wish you the very best with the platform. It sounds like you guys are off to a great start and I see a great future for you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.